Podcast. This week we have Shannon Newins of Christian Hansen on the show, and we're going to be talking a little bit about bioprotection in general and how some of the Christian Hansen cultures are able to help prevent spoilage in some dairy products. But before we get started, I did want to take a moment to thank our sponsor today, and that is Christian Hansen. Christian Hansen is a global bioscience company that develops natural solutions for the food, nutritional, pharmaceutical, and agricultural industries. In their effort to grow a better world, they develop and produce cultures, enzymes, and probiotics for a rich variety of foods, beverages, dietary supplements, and animal feed. And you can learn more at www.chr-hansen.com en. So, with that out of the way, we welcome Shannon to the show. Shannon, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself before we dive into the conversation today? Ah, great. Well, well, thank you so much, Chris, for this opportunity to speak on Christian Hansen's behalf for our bioprotection products. Um, my name is Shannon Newens, and I'm working in our uh, global application team for bioprotection, specifically in dairy. Uh, my responsibilities would be to work with our sales team and our customers on implementing uh, bioprotective solutions to inhibit yeast and mold in fermented dairy products. And I think it's really important. This conversation is going to be very interesting. And I think people probably have an idea of what bioprotection might be. But I think in the effort to, you know, table set this conversation, could you describe what bioprotection means to you and Christian Hansen? Yeah, certainly. Um, bioprotection, in, in my mind, is using uh, food grade or uh, food uh, cultures or bacteria, uh, good bacteria during a fermentation process uh, to make uh, fermented products, whether they be uh, dairy products or fermented meat products, even wine. Um, and these cultures actually help to inhibit uh, spoilage organisms or potentially could inhibit uh, pathogens or organisms of food safety concern. And I know with Christian Hansen, the focus is really on bioprotection for dairy products. So I was hoping you can explain a little bit how this works. Maybe we can use that almost like a case study to showcase how bioprotection would uh, be utilized in a product formulation, what kind of protection it offers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the product line that we have for dairy, uh, specifically for dairy, is called FreshQ. Um, FreshQ cultures are lactic acid bacteria um, of the genre lactobacilli. Uh, these cultures are used during a fermentation of a dairy product, whether it be a yogurt or sour cream, potentially in cheese applications, cottage cheese, uh, feta cheeses. Uh, during the fermentation, these cultures are active and are actually uh, um, uptaking a compound in the milk called manganese. Manganese is a very limited nutrient in milk, um, which is essential for yeast and mold to grow. Thus, by uh, sequestering the manganese during this fermentation process, it becomes unavailable for yeast and mold to grow uh, in the dairy product throughout the shelf life. So FreshQ is really used to uh, inhibit um, the outgrowth of yeast and mold, which are very commonly um, identified as spoilage organisms in dairy products. So I think that's kind of interesting and maybe a way to kind of bring it to a more, you know, lower level of discussion, right? But it seems to me it's almost like taking the food source away from these spoilage organisms. Is that a fair way to kind of uh, describe what would be going on when you utilize a bioprotection product like this? It, it, it absolutely is. And it, it's a very interesting discovery um, uh, from our scientists at Christian Hansen to, to really see what the true mode of action was for um, inhibiting yeast and mold in fermented dairy products by utilizing these bioprotective cultures. Um, 
In the past, it was always assumed that there were organic acids being produced, which can be inhibitory towards yeast and mold. There could be certain metabolites being produced during fermentation that can inhibit yeast and mold. And there was always this thought that there could be a competition for a nutrient source. But we truly identified that it is manganese that's the the main um, element that is being sequestered by uh, fresh cue during fermentation that would inhibit yeast and mold. So yes, you are taking away that source of uh, a nutrient for the yeast and mold to grow, um, limiting the availability uh, throughout the shelf life. And I know earlier you brought up, you know, the term pathogen, we're talking about spoilage organisms. So I think it's worthwhile to spend a little bit of time to kind of really dig into this aspect specifically. So with the product you're talking about right now, uh, it's going to inhibit the growth of fungal spores, you know, mold and yeast specifically. What does it do with other types of pathogens? Is this designed for that, you know, specifically, or is there another, you know, set of pathogens, you know, other foreign bacteria that it can help with. How would you kind of explain that? Because I think people will be looking at this trying to wonder exactly what kind of, you know, protection it offers. So maybe we could talk about that a little bit more just to get a better idea of what this product does. Yes. Uh, and, and and thanks for pointing that out, Chris. Uh, really, uh, the FreshQ product line is to inhibit spoilage, and that would be yeast and mold. When I think about pathogens, I think about uh, food safety concerns, perhaps uh, listeria contaminants or salmonella, E. coli, that could be uh, an actual health risk to uh, consumption. Um, But fresh Q in itself is really to uh, preserve the integrity of the food on spoilage. So really only on yeast and mold control, um, inhibiting uh, the outgrowth of uh, mold, which is very visual on on yogurt, um, where a consumer may open a product and see mold growth and toss it out. Um, even with yeast, you could get that bloating of the packaging um, due to the gas production of the yeast during fermentation, or uh, even the smells and the taste associated with it. So we're really talking about uh, preventing spoilage and not really uh, preventing uh, pathogens with fresh cube. Yeah, and I think one of the things with Fresh Q, when I first hear, you know, what you guys are doing with it, really seems that the benefit for food manufacturers would be extended shelf life. I'm assuming that's part of the ROI with using one of these cultures, but I was hoping you can explain a little bit more about how that can help out with, you know, extended shelf life and also just a little bit extra protection when it comes to that consumer perception. Yeah, when 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 I look at Fresh Q, I, I see a lot of benefits in, in its use. Um, one, like you had addressed, was uh, shelf life. So, By inhibiting uh, yeast and mold throughout the uh, uh, shelf of the product, you can actually find perhaps that uh, fresh cue can add days to the um, shelf life of the product, thus uh, extending the the, uh, reach or the uh, supply chain uh, through the product, uh, extending it out to further areas. Uh, But other areas that I see are avoiding uh, potential discards or recalls uh, due to uh, spoilage where um, during the shelf life of the product, uh, a product could become contaminated with yeast and mold, um, thus being uh, recalled. Or even uh, early in the the manufacture of the product going out, um, where high levels of yeast and mold could be present and that product wouldn't be uh, sent out into the market. So really avoiding discards, recalls, uh, extending shelf life. We also have the aspect of a natural or clean label. 
Fresh Q is really uh, a, a product that's inherent in dairy products. Uh, it is a culture. Um, if you look on the label of a yogurt, you see cultured skim milk or cultured milk as uh, part of the ingredient deck. Uh, Fresh Q as a culture would fall under that. Uh, so really eliminating the need uh, for any artificial or chemical preservation in the product, uh, making a clean or natural label. We also uh, look at uh, preserving the freshness of the product throughout shelf life. And this becomes very important, I think, for products such as uh, multi-serve containers. Uh, so you may have a yogurt that's in a 32-ounce cup, uh, goes to the consumer, uh, they open it. Um, and it may be uh, open and, and put back into the refrigerator over a, a period of days. Uh, Fresh Q can actually uh, help in preserving uh, that quality or uh, any secondary contamination from yeast and mold under those situations. So to me, there seems there's got to be a lot of cost and risk mitigation savings for companies that use this technology, uh, the Fresh Q specifically. Do you find that to be the case when you're partnering with other organizations that are kind of developing products using this? Do you find that they kind of report that? Absolutely. I, I find that um, it's it's really looking at an insurance policy. Uh, by adding Fresh Q into your product, we know that yeast and mold can occur um, in in situations that are really outside of the dairy's control. Um, and that meaning um, like seasonal variation in yeast and mold counts, uh, perhaps yeast or mold coming in from uh, packaging material, um, any kind of uh, contamination that most dairies are avoiding with uh, good sanitation and manufacturing uh, procedures, but really uh, situations that are outside of their control, we can help to uh, eliminate or, or inhibit the uh, potential risk of spoilage. So now that we talked a little bit about how fresh Q bacterial cultures can kind of help with this pathogen or sorry, spoilage prevention, as we talked about a little bit earlier, get those terms correct. Um, one of the things I think is that there's probably a need for a little bit of consumer education here in the food industry. And I would say probably most people overall, they do recognize that when you have a yogurt product, there are going to be living cultures in there. But I do think consumers may hear that a bacterial culture is being added and they might push back on that thinking to my point earlier that, hey, this is a pathogen, right? So I was wondering if you can explain how that's a little bit beneficial, how we may be able to kind of speak to consumers on this fact and say, hey, just because a bacteria is being added, it doesn't mean it's one of those listeria salmonella type pathogens uh, that really dominate news headlines. So I'm hoping you could talk a little bit about this and how consumers might be able to kind of take this message a little bit better. Well, absolutely. I, I, I think that when I consider uh, food cultures in a, in a product, they're very inherent into uh, making these products. So yogurt can't be made without uh, good bacteria or uh, uh, through a fermentation process. These cultures provide uh, texture in the yogurt, um, so actually converting the milk into a uh, more solid mass uh, through the coagulation of the proteins, uh, with the, uh, acid being produced as well. Um, but also on a sensory or a, a flavor characteristic of the product. So these fermentation products are actually very beneficial in making, uh, the identity of the yogurt or the identity of the cheese and, and how consumers perceive the flavors of these cheeses. Um, so I think that, uh, bacterial cultures are necessary. Um, and, and maybe unbeknownst to the consumer that they're actually added into these products, um, but they are on the label. 
So as I mentioned before, you might look at a, a, a yogurt culture container or a yogurt container and see in the ingredient deck cultured milk, for instance. That really is the bacterial uh, culture that's being used uh, in fermentation. So talking about fresh Q, taking a look at maybe more traditional or you know more commonly used uh, preservatives, I'm wondering if you can just compare the use of the two. Uh, would you say fresh Q makes it more simple, makes it a little bit more complicated in the manufacturing process? How does that dynamic play out when you take a look at using these two and comparing them? Um, so with, with traditional or chemical artificial preservatives, uh, they're added into the uh, product um, as an ingredient. And, and similarly, uh, fresh Q would be added in during the uh, uh, culture of the uh, milk products. So they're added in uh, along with the starter culture. So there really isn't any um, extra step to using fresh Q other than um, adding it along with the starter culture. So it's a, it's a normal procedure in the dairies where they're inoculating the milk. Um, but I think with the difference that we see with the artificial ingredients and with fresh Q, obviously is that clean label aspect. And I think that um, adding, for instance, potassium sorbate on a label of yogurt could have a negative uh, impact on the consumer perception of the product. Whereas adding fresh Q into a product, you already have that starter culture uh, on the label, and it's a natural, uh, clean aspect to that label. All right, Shannon, I think it's worthwhile maybe to talk a little bit about the development path for the fresh Q line. I know that it went through several iterations. So I was hoping you can kind of share, you know, the initial development of the product to where it is today. Yes, um, absolutely, Chris. Uh, Fresh Q was introduced about 12 years ago into uh, the market for dairy. And, and what we found at that time was we developed a product line uh, specific for applications. So we have a product line for yogurts or thermophilic uh, dairy products, fermented fresh dairy products. We have a line for mesophilic or uh, products like sour cream or kefir. Um, we also have a product line for cheeses. Um, in in that category, we looked at cottage cheese, we've looked at white brine cheeses such as feta, and we've also looked at um, pasta filata. Um, all of these product lines uh, essentially are uh, very effective at inhibiting yeast and mold um, or, or spoilage throughout the uh, shelf life of the product. Um, but then we started looking at the flavor aspect or, or some of the components that, that, that could be perceived um, in using these uh, fresh U product lines. We do know that lactobacilli in general uh, during fermentation, yes, they are sequestering the manganese um, and, and making it unavailable for yeast and mold to grow uh, in shelf life, but they also can have a, a flavor characteristic in these products. Um, sometimes very desirable. Uh, one of the things that we do see is a creamy note or a diacetyl note uh, with some of the fresh cube product line, which could be very uh, beneficial in products like sour creams or even in cottage cheese. However, in, in yogurt, maybe that isn't a flavor that the dairy wants to pick up. We looked at a uh, second generation of product, which uh, was developed about three and a half, four years ago, which we introduced, which really... Uh, was targeted towards the uh, uh, yogurt segment, really minimizing uh, sensory impact while maintaining that very high uh, in inhibition of yeast and mold. 
Uh, but our most recent generation is the uh, FreshQ 11, and, and we consider that our third generation of uh, FreshQ development. This was a product that we really developed in order to service uh, areas of the world which have a, a cold chain that really isn't optimal, uh, meaning that the product could be at a held at a, a very high temperature for a sustained period of time, thus really uh, enhancing the post-acidification or negative acid development throughout that uh, storage. FreshQ as a lactobacilli under, uh, in, under uh, higher temperatures can uh, post-acidify. Uh, but we found a, a, a culture called FreshQ11, which really counters that. Um, so we were able to introduce product uh, FreshQ for inhibiting yeast and mold in areas of the world with poorer cold chain. However, uh, one of the benefits that we're seeing now in areas that have a very good cold chain, like the United States, is that these uh, fresh Q11 cultures uh, during a yogurt manufacture, if in fact the uh, yogurt processor would hold the product for an extended period of time before packaging, uh, perhaps at an elevated temperature, can really uh, mitigate or eliminate the risk of uh, post-acidification in the product. Shannon, I want to thank you for your time today. I definitely learned a lot. I think our audience will learn a lot too. I'm just wondering if anyone wants to learn a little bit more about these cultures, where should they go? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think the best way to uh, really explore the Chris Hansen product line is to go to our website. That would be www.chr-hansen.com. And under that, uh, we have a food culture and enzyme uh, segment. Dig into that, and there's a whole wealth of knowledge on uh, bioprotection. And that's going to do it for us this week on the Food Institute podcast. Once again, thanks to my guest, Shannon, and also to Christian Hansen for sponsoring this episode. We'll catch you next time. This is Chris Campbell signing off. Mm-hmm.